we get a chance to celebrate the 4th of July, which is that day where the 13 ragtag colonies ratified the Declaration of Independence, and they were standing up to the great empire of Great Britain. And they were trying to do something new that no one thought was possible. And they were willing to fight for the notion of a nation. They were willing to give their lives for this mission, for this nation they were going to build. And they had a mission to create a nation where people could fight for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I, I wonder, I wonder if they could even fathom the nation that we have now. Those, uh, that sapling of 13 colonies. Could they even imagine the 50 states that we have now? I wonder if they ever thought this was possible. And Paul, our, our writer for the book of Romans, does something that no one thought was possible in his mission as well. We sometimes forget, or we even take for granted, that the expectation that we as Gentiles, and Gentile simply means non-Jewish people, that we as Gentiles are a part of this promise of the gospel. Before Paul, there was an incorrect assumption that the covenants with the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were just for that Jewish family. And this assumes that God isn't the God of all nations, which simply isn't true. But there was that underlying current that this promise was only for one family tree, the Jewish family tree. And so it was simply assumed that those covenants only belonged to the Jewish people. You know, Jesus was a Jew. And the New Testament goes to great lengths to establish his genealogy in that family tree. And yet, Paul, in our passage, starting in Romans 11, starting with verse 13, he says this. I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry. He takes pride in his ministry. His mission is to the Gentiles, those people that aren't a part of the Jewish family tree. And this new covenant that is brought through Jesus, that proceeds from those covenants made with uh, Abraham and Moses and, yes, even King David, is for all people every family tree. And so how is this possible? Paul uses an image from Jesus to explain. He explains that the Gentiles will be grafted on to the family tree that is the nation of Israel. And so in verse 17 and 18, he says this, if some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourselves to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. What Paul is saying here is that some of the branches of the family tree of Israel have been broken off. They have been cast aside. And there's a place for the Gentiles now. However, since you have been added on, don't think that you are better than any other branch that has been cast aside. You don't support the cause of all of this. The cause of all of this, the root, is Jesus. Jesus supports all of us. Don't forget that. And this idea of, of grafting on, this analogy that Paul uses about a tree, it has a, a couple different layers to it. And so grafting on, uh, let's start there. Gra grafting on, in the simplest terms, is taking a branch from a growing tree and planting it, or attaching it, or grafting it to another tree. And so Paul uses this for a, couple idea, for a couple other reasons. The next reason is that he uses the idea of an olive tree, which is repeatedly used in the Bible as a sign of peace and grace. 
Uh, think back to uh, Noah on the ark. And the dove brings back an olive branch. And so this is a sign to Noah and his family that God is giving grace, that the flood is ending and they get to go back to dry land. And even today, we have a saying of extending the olive branch of peace. And so Paul is saying, when he's using this olive tree as the example, he's saying that when you are part of this tree, you have grace and peace. And another detail that might be helpful to understand is that grafting part. And when you graft on a new branch, most of the time you have to cut off or break off, as the text says, the original. And so God has broken off a couple of the original branches of the family of Israel. That family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The original 12 tribes of Israel. And so several of those groups are no longer a part of this tree. But why? Why were they broken off? And so Paul continues as he answers this in verse 19 and 20. You will say then, branches were broken off so I could be grafted in. Granted, but you were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. And so Paul warns against any arrogance that we might have saying, oh yeah, we now have a place in this family of God. And so this is a warning to us actually. It's a warning that God didn't hold back, breaking off the first family, their original family this promise belonged to. So why would God hold back, breaking us off if we fall into unbelief? And so Paul is warning not to take this message of the gospel for granted. That we need to continually be reminded of this grace, this truth, that we don't support the root, that this root supports us. And so Paul cautions us not to assume the gospel to fall into unbelief due to feeling like we are owed something. But there's also a great moment of grace in this as well, that we have been chosen, that we are chosen to be grafted on this family tree. God chose us first, and this isn't something that we can do on our own. This isn't something that we can earn by ourselves, but it is simply through the grace of Christ. And so this is, this is a beautiful reminder of the gospel being for us, that Jesus is for us in our faith journey, in this gift that was purchased by Jesus on the cross for us on our behalf. And this Jesus is the true vine, the true source of this entire family tree. And so we stay connected to him. We believe in him. We have a faith that Jesus is for us. But do we believe that? Do we believe that this faith is for us? Or do we sometimes take this for granted? Do we go through the motions and say the right things? Jesus wants us to have a deep and flourishing relationship with him. He wants us to draw near to Jesus to help us grow as we struggle and ask questions and go deeper. He doesn't want us to, to wither away like some branches have. No, he wants us to have that faith we go deeper with that true source. A, a faith that asks the deep questions, the questions that no one really wants to ask, but through those questions we understand the depth of his grace, the depth of his love. We can dig our roots down deep. I, uh, I, I struggled uh, whether or not to include this next part, uh, but I felt convicted uh, that with everything going on in the world in this month that we just celebrated, uh, I want you to know that Jesus is for others as well. 
Jesus is for others that don't believe exactly like we believe right now as well. Yes, we, we just finished a month where a multitude of sins were celebrated by our culture. And we as Christians might be saddened by that. But I want you to know that there are small signs that there are, there are itty bits of, of places where people are pushing back against this culture. We, we see that in today's world. They are saying that just the acceptance and love is love that is being espoused by our culture is being seen for what it is. The logic with the inconsistencies of it all. And so people are starting to turn away from it. And so the question is, the question is, are we going to be arrogant like Paul warns us about, or are we going to be a people that welcomes them back to this faith with open arms. Because we don't get to choose who comes back and confesses a true faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I believe that we are going to see in the next three, five, maybe ten years that people are going to be waking up to what they did to themselves. The beliefs that they had. The, the beliefs that led to, sometimes, in some cases, irreversible physical damage. And so they're going to wake up and find their identity in Christ. They're going to say that I am made new and my identity before anything else is in Christ. And so they're going to be grafted back into the family tree. And so how are we going to react? How are we going to welcome them? Are we going to wag our finger and say, I can't believe that you believe that? I can't believe that you fell for that social media craze? Or are we going to weep with them? Are we going to say, my heart breaks because of that, because of what you went through, because of the lies that were taught to you? I actually want you to come near to Jesus. I want you to experience that love, that true love, your true identity in Jesus Christ. Is that how we are going to react? I want that to be us. I want us to be a people that says, come, come to the waters of baptism be reborn. I want you to know your new identity. Your pronouns are son and daughter of the most high king. You are chosen. You are beloved. You are made new. Because here is the truth. I want you to write this down if you take notes and kind of have this in the back of your mind as you have these conversations. That people are not our enemy. People are not our enemy. We fight an ideology that comes from the enemy. We're not fighting a person. We're trying to unravel an ideology, a, a culture, a mistaken train of thought. We don't attack a person. We dismantle a lie. And we remember, we remember that Jesus is the one we point people to. He is our Savior. He is the one that makes all things new. He is our true source of hope of all people's true source of hope and forgiveness. Because he is the one that makes everything new. He is the one to stay connected to. He is the one that this family tree grows from. Because John 15 tells us this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. In our gardening analogy, it, it continues. As John explains that Jesus is the true vine. And we are to stay connected to him. He is the source of all of our strength, of all of our promises. And so we can turn to him when times get tough. 
when things feel like they're too much to handle, we turn back to Jesus as our source of strength. And Jesus continues in verse 3 and 4. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And so Jesus tells us that we are clean because of the word that he has spoken. This is the good news of the gospel, the forgiveness of sins that we all have because of faith. And we are made clean not because of something that we did or something we have earned on our own, but it is through the work of Christ. It is through the work and the word that we are made clean. And we remember that truth, that we remain in Jesus and dwell in that truth. Dwell in the grace that Jesus purchased for us. And once we remember that truth, we bear fruit. We respond by loving other people and trying to bring them into this family tree. And so as I close out today, I want to kind of summarize all that I said today in three points. The first one being remain in Jesus. That Jesus is the true vine. And we can only do this through the power of Christ. But what does that remaining in Jesus, what does that look like in today's world? We have this through our faith. Just like Paul talked about when when he said to stand by faith, that we all stand by faith. And our faith is strengthened. It can be strengthened because we have a faith in something, in someone. We can strengthen our faith in Jesus. And so one great way, like I have on here, and again, there's a lot of different examples for remaining in Jesus, but the first one is find Jesus where he promises to be in his scripture. And there are a lot of distractions in today's world that wants to pull us away from our true source of strength. But as we dwell with Christ in scripture, we remember that he is our source of strength. We can be reminded of his deeper truths, our true identity in Christ. The next one is prayer. And prayer might be that time of just opening up to Christ in a new way, in a deeper way. Having that two-way conversation, not just praying at God, but dwelling with the Spirit. Have that moment where you have all distractions cast aside and focus on the true vine to remain in Jesus. And the last way, uh, you're here. But just a reminder, week in and week out, week in and week out, come to this family tree in word and sacrament. Dwell with this family tree in service. Be reminded of the truths that we have. Be strengthened just like we will in a couple moments as we take the sacrament of communion. Jesus, the blood of, his blood of the true vine. And so this may seem simple. It may seem like you've heard it a thousand times. And it is simple because it's still true. And the next one is to bear good fruit. Jesus tells us that we are to bear good fruit because we are a part of his family tree. And this is only possible when we remain in Jesus. And we can only respond by loving others because he first loved us. We only bear good fruit because we remain in Jesus. We have to get that right and then we bear good fruit. And what does this look like? And again, I have a couple of examples. It can be a thousand different things, but it can be the gifts and the graces that God has given you. Maybe it's that gift of hospitality. Maybe you love having people gathering together in your house, cooking food for a thousand people. and Maybe you use that gift to host a small group. Maybe to, to host a, a Bible study. 
and you love having people come together and share life and share their experiences so that everyone learns what it looks like to remain in Jesus. The next one, maybe use your, your gifts and graces to, to be a neighbor. Repair what's going on in your, your neighbor's, you know, maybe the gutters are broken or whatever it might be. Or maybe you use your, your gifts here at the church coming out on Tuesday and, and helping us make this church a beautiful place to be. Maybe you use your, your gifts of teaching. Maybe you have that gift of connecting to people. Teaching them the gospel. Helping them understand the examples of Christ. Maybe you use that gift by uh, helping teach second graders. You know, this next year, whenever school starts again, we're going to need a whole new batch of, of Sunday school teachers. And so maybe you use your gift of teaching to help others understand this grace that we have. And the third thing I want us to remember is that God chose you to be part of the family tree. You were chosen to be part of this family tree. And this tree that started out assumed only for the Jews is for us as well. God chose to work in your life and offer this gift of salvation long before you were ever aware of it. And this is all through the grace of God. God gave us this gift by his mercy, not by our works. And we have this faith that is true, this truth that is for us, and a faith that is for us in Jesus. We have a faith in the work of Jesus. He's the object of our faith. And through his work, you have been grafted on and selected to be a part of his family tree. This family tree, we don't always get it right. But we are trying to remain in Jesus the best that we can. And this family tree is established through the story of another tree. As Jesus hung on the tree at Calvary, he paid for our sins, made a way for us to join the family tree. He took our punishment upon ourselves upon himself, the punishment that we should have paid, that we could never bear ourselves, he chose to attach us to this family tree. And so the founding fathers, the founding fathers may have never fathomed the nation that we have now. And in the same way, we may never fathom what this family tree can look like. The gifts and the graces, the new life that can be a part of this family tree if we simply remain in Jesus. Amen? Let us pray. Holy and precious Father, I thank you so much for choosing us, for choosing us to be a part of your family tree, for grafting us on to your family truth, family tree through the work of Christ, that we are made new through the grace of Christ, that we are new creations because of his sacrifice. And Lord, I pray that we welcome all people back to their true identity in Jesus Christ, to be grafted back on to that family tree. And this is all possible in the name and work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.